heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Heat presented by the Locked On Basketball Network. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me on the other line, we matched his $50 million offer sheet. He ain't going anywhere. It's David Rommel. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that, to be honest with you. I wasn't expecting that kind of a, a financial windfall, but you know what? It's always nice to be loved and appreciated, and, and I'm glad to stick with the organization that developed me, and you know what? I'm ready to take it to that next level. You're a fan favorite. People appreciate your hustle. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gritty. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, you're a you're a gritty hard worker with deceptive speed. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the best way of summing it up. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Tyler Johnson. Uh, we spent uh, Monday's podcast talking about the first three, I guess, free agent signings: um, Wayne Ellington, James Johnson, Derek Williams, and we touched a little bit on Haslam too, resigning with the Heat. So mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to that, definitely go back and listen to Monday's podcast. But today, we figure we'll dedicate the whole podcast to Tyler Johnson just because it's so interesting. I mean, a guy that's played 68 NBA games was undrafted uh, two years ago and started his NBA career with the Sioux Falls Skyforce, which is a D-League squad. It just got paid $50 million over four years. I mean, is that have we seen anything really like that? I mean, it's insane. No, it certainly shows, much like Dwayne Waite's tweet alluded to that, you know, if you can get to this level, sometimes you can really make the most of that opportunity. And I know some people looked at Dwayne Waite's tweet were, you know, right after the announcement had come out that he had been offered this kind of huge amount of money by Brooklyn that, you know, just goes to show that if you work really hard, you're, you'll be rewarded in the end. But, you know, it's not a knock on Tyler necessarily. I know some people read it that way, but I just think that, you know, he, he had some talent. He has incredible athletic ability, and he was really able to maximize his opportunity with Miami. So I've never seen anything like that, to be honest with you. This is uh, kind of unprecedented, you know, for a player like him with such little experience, but you know, perhaps a lot of potential. And my issue, though, is, and you'll probably feel the same way, is people are comparing his situation with Wade's where, you know, they're saying, well, you had this kind of money for Tyler Johnson, but for not for Dwayne Wade. And I know it's not quite so simple to break down. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really a shame that people are making that, that compare, or maybe that, that assumption or that, that sure. to judgment, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, but the Wade situation was different. The Wade's, the heat didn't necessarily fight for Tyler Johnson. It's just that they he was a he was a, restri- a restrict restricted opportunity. I mean, if, if the Heat were able to just to match Chicago's offer, which if you believe some reports they tried to do right with as much cap space as that they had, then that would have been the case. The, the issue with Wade was that the Heat didn't fight for him. Right, that was Ethan Skolnick's text was, that he got from Wade is that they didn't even fight for me. Um, Although there there have been some conflicting reports from Dan Levitard. I think he said that actually. Now it seems that Riley actually did text Wade, but that Wade's camp wasn't answering or responding to those texts, and so it's kind of confusing. But it's, the it's, issue is it's also is, much more deep, right? It's just a whole other. It's it was never a money thing, right? For Wade, I mean, it's what the money sure. represented, which was that respect. But for Tyler Johnson, I mean, 
I don't know how much contact they've had with Tyler, the Heat have had with Tyler Johnson. It's just that he's a restricted free agent. Right. The the Nets offered him a, a, a gigantic offer sheet, and the Heat literally took until basically the last minute to 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 match the offer, and that's their right as they are because Tyler Johnson is their restricted free agent. So I don't. It's not that the Heat weren't willing to offer that much money to Wade because they did. Yeah, um, it's it's very interesting, you know, and and you're right. It's not quite the same situation at all. I mean, of course, given Wade's history with the team, but you know, there was some drama there. There was some issue whether or not they wanted to pay him over the next couple of years. And I think also what makes Tyler Johnson's contract more palatable is the possibility, as some people have alluded to, that within two years, once a new collective bargaining agreement is signed there will be likely will be the opportunity to waive Johnson's contract, probably amnesty it or stretch it out over the course of several years so that I won't have the same kind of impact on the salary cap as had previously expected. And so that's, that's a big thing because you're going to get two years of Tyler Johnson level quality play at a relatively cheap price. I think under 6 million over the next two years. And then of course it jumps up in that third year to about 18 million and then 19 million in that fourth year. So that's, that's where the apprehension was. And I think both you and I had talked about in previous podcasts that at the total cost, it was way too much to offer to a guy like Tyler. But if eventually you're able to waive his contract, it certainly seems like a very good deal. And, 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 you know, keeps that, that financial flexibility that we've talked about before. Clearly that's part of Riley's long-term plan. Um, and, and still gives you a really good serviceable player for the next two years at a relatively very cheap contract. Yeah, and let's not act like the Heat were willing, were just ready to throw money at Tyler Johnson. I mean, this was a bite the bullet type thing. And, and yeah, like you're saying, they're they may be banking on the idea that they're able to unload that contract either via amnesty or trade or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that in years three or four. But you know, it's. I really don't like the Wade thing because the Heat weren't going to match this offer right. if they were able to re-sign Dwayne Wade. So I don't. It's not as if they were going to pay Tyler Johnson and not going to pay Dwayne Wade. If they if Dwayne Wade resigned with the Heat, Tyler Johnson's on the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, and, I agree. And when Wade left, you know the market was dry. The free agent market was dry, and the best option was Tyler Johnson, if not Dion Waiters, who you and I talked about on a previous podcast. But that ship is not going to land in Miami. So it turns out that they went with Tyler Johnson. He's one of the better free agents for value that you're going to get on the market right now. And, you know, of all of, we could debate Tyler. It's, it's, it's ridiculous that he got $50 million, right? Just on the face, it looks insane. Four years, $50 million for a guy that hasn't even played in 70 games throughout his NBA career. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you look at other guys this this off season who uh, who sign large contracts like like the ones that kind of make you scratch your head. Matthew Dellavedova for what ten million a year. Evan Turner eighteen million. Timothy Mozgov for like a billion dollars a game or something like it's. Um, they've all played more games in each of their seasons as a professional basketball player than Tyler Johnson has played his entire career. I mean Dellavedova. He's looked at as another Tyler Johnson type, you know, you know, white scrappy kind of came up after being undrafted. He's played in 215 NBA games. That's not including playoffs. Yeah, and, and that's a big thing, too, is that he has proven himself in the playoffs, at least previously. Last season in particular, he was a, a big 
factor for Cleveland in the finals. His defense on Steph Curry in particular was why they won those first two games before losing the last four and, and you know yielding to Golden State for their first title. But you know he was he's a pretty good player in that regard, and I think Tyler Johnson's probably better. Which leads me to the the next issue is you know where do we see Johnson fitting with this current roster? How do you see him being a, a factor next season? And and you know what is his bringing back to Miami? What does that mean overall for the team? Yeah, and I mean, of all these guys that have signed, you know, like those guys I just mentioned, Delvedova, Evan Turner, Tiffany Fame, Osgoff, they don't really have an opportunity to exceed their mm. contract, right? Okay. Like, at the very best, they probably meet the standard of that contract. Tyler Johnson has the, has the potential, right, to exceed that contract, especially in these first two years. So I think if you, you know, on the face it looks crazy, but when you kind of deep down and when you when you d- like kind of dig into it and compare it to some other contracts that have been signed this offseason it actually makes more sense than you think and make makes more sense than a lot of these contracts which is why i think the nets offered it to him in the first place and why ultimately he decided that it was worth the risk to match it and where does he fit in is an interesting question because he's getting paid more than Josh Richardson he's getting paid more than Justice Winslow right but those Absolutely. are kind of like the two young guys that the heater anchoring their team to, anchoring the team's future to in one way or the other, I think I don't see that coming into play, just how much he's getting paid make, and, and to saying, like, okay, he's getting paid $12.5 million, you know, on average, so we need to start him. I don't. I think he's going to come off the bench as a six-man. I think that's where his value is, is. He's almost like a Sean Livingston type. Like, they don't play at all the same. But almost, no. you know, like, you know when Sean Livingston, Livingston, excuse me, when Livingston takes the court, he always just has some sort of positive, tangible impact, right? Like, yeah. Livingston doesn't take the floor and, every, and and everything goes to shit, you know? It doesn't happen when Livingston gets on the court. It's not like Michael Beasley where it's like, okay, he might <laughs> either score you 10 points in four minutes or it could be a complete trash can. Um, Tyler Johnson comes in, gives you some energy, a very willing passer. He can shoot the three ball, so you know the spacing always helps. He he doesn't come in and really negatively impact anything. Maybe at at the very least he doesn't really make a difference, and at the very best he could be a complete spark plug. And I think that's where his role is: is coming off the bench, not being a net negative, make maybe making an opportunity to increase the pace, add some energy, a little change of pace. I think that's what his role is next season. It's a good point because honestly, I, I had actually actually fallen into that first line of thinking is that, you know, based on his contract, you'd think that even Spolstra would be forced to kind of just start him and give him the nod over a guy like Richardson. But I think you're right. Uh, you know, now in looking at it, he's probably best suited for that kind of spark plug role, and I think it's one that he's ideally suited for, one he's proven in the past that he can be, and I think that's where his his best fit will be. Um, you know, you wonder also if there will be size and defensive issues with him and Goran Dragic. You know, Dragic isn't a plus defender, um, although he's, he's you know, fine as far as his overall size as a point guard position. I think Tyler Johnson is undersized at shooting guard, so you don't want him out there being a defensive liability. So he could come in there and spell either Richardson or Dragic, depending on where Spolstra sees the best lineups and, and the best rotations. And, and he could provide, you know, solid defense at both positions, not great, perhaps, and again, he could be victimized a little bit because of his size. So he is a, a good player to bring off the bench because he can add a, a certain level of athleticism. He, he has a high motor. 
you know, a lot of that stuff is cliche, but it certainly applies to a guy like him. You know, he's he's shown that given an opportunity, he'll do the most that he possibly can to maximize it. And that's what you want off a guy off the bench. So I think he's probably best suited for that bench role, like you mentioned. Do we know if he's going to be playing in Summer League? Uh, I don't think he is. That's that's a shame because I agree with you. I think he's going to come off the bench primarily as Dragic's backup. Okay. Well, not. I think he's a little bit... He has been better as a two-guard for his first two seasons just because he's still developing as a facilitator and a ball handler in general. Mm-hmm. So just giving him an opportunity to catch and shoot or maybe catch and get on the dribbles has been more of his his advantage in, in his first two seasons. But, you know, I think he could have probably used the practice of running the team a little bit. The Heat also have Briante Weber, who they like a lot, but yeah, that's I, an interesting thing. And I like Briante Weber a lot too, right? We've we we had a conversation at summer league that this guy might be the the guy that replaces Tyler Johnson. That was back when we thought Wade was was resigning and yeah. when Johnson was going to the Nets. But the more, I mean, I might be the biggest Briante Weber fan, but I think I'm also realistic. But Briante Briante Weber, if he plays a heavy dose of minutes, I think people can get frustrated with him. He's got a little bit of Tony Douglas in him, where he might over dribble, maybe get a little aggressive at the wrong time. Um, Tony Douglas, how's that for deep dive? <laughs> uh, a little obscure. The there, anybody remembers Tony, like the four games he played for the Heat a couple of years ago? But um, you were a huge fan. I mean, you, I, I'm a big you, Tony Douglas fan. He's still got something. Um, if you want to go back into the archives and listen to a, a guy talking about Tony Douglas in a positive, fa- glowing fashion, that's that's uh, the former Heat Check podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few devoted to you know, the bulldog Tony Douglas. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, it'll. I think ultimately though, Tyler Johnson ends up playing a little bit of a combo guard, and that might be a bit where he's best. Right? Not, not enough of a facilitator to do it full time. Not you know, a little undersized to play two guard full time, but a little combo ish and. If you look at where the Heat's guards are with Dragic, Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson, Briante Weber, uh, Magruder, right, Wayne Ellington, all these guys are a little versatile, and I think that the Heat are an opportunity to just mix and match a little bit. And you can even see lineups with Goran Dragic, Tyler Johnson, and Josh Richardson at the nominal three. I mean, there's a lot of ways that they can they can kind of play with this with this unit. So. Um, well, I like Tyler Johnson's upside offensively over Weber. I think Weber is more of a defensive specialist at this point, although he's quick enough to get to the rim. He has shown some shooting ability. We saw that up close in, in summer league that he's willing to he's willing to put up the three, and he was making them on occasion. But then again, that's summer league, so you can't really take that too seriously. But you know, I, I like Weber more as a defensive type player, and I think I think Johnson is more of a two way type guard. And so you're right, he can fill that role in either guard position. So you wonder maybe a combination of him creating opportunities for a guy like Ellington that's much more of a spot-up shooter. That seems like it would be a pretty good inside-out combination because even mm-hmm. despite Johnson's size, he's willing like Mario Chalmers to kind of take it down low, go there, mix it up with the big guys, and he has the athleticism to finish over a lot of top you know, you know, know, rim protectors. Um, he's got a nice floater. You know, he's, he can dunk it, certainly, um, and he's a good shooter. I mean, we saw him pull up from mid-range and certainly from long range, and he was a pretty good shooter given, you know, limited experience. So it's a small sample size, so you wonder if he's able to maintain it. My biggest thing with Johnson, I think we talked about this a couple pods ago, was, you know, given his size, that seems like it would probably be a little bit of a liability from a health perspective. You know, he's a guy who 
He's not afraid to mix it up. He's going to get knocked down on occasion. And we've already seen some injury issues affect the last two years of his professional career. And you wonder how much of a factor that will be moving forward. Yeah, and given that he's not playing in summer league, and we talk about his size. I mean, he's he stands at six foot four, right? That's what he's listed at. Yeah, and that's uh, generous. And that's generous, certainly. But even if you know at the low end, he's six two and a half, right? Sure. That's still a decent size. I mean, there have been there have been shorter guys, right? But the two guard. I mean, it's it's so rare nowadays. You can only get guys that are six five and up. But look, even weight. But I, mean, I think his main thing is that he's 186 pounds, right? I mean, he's he's a he's a twig, so he needs to get bigger. I mean, he needs to get above 200 pounds. Yeah, that doesn't seem likely given his frame. I mean, he's just a, he's just a narrow-shouldered kind of guy. I don't know how much more weight he can put on, and that's the concern. That is, if he's going to keep getting knocked down. Look, you know, Wade is listed comfortably at six four, but that's probably even a little generous too. And he's got this thickness, the sturdiness, the strength to kind of withstand withstand the number of injuries that would normally limit a smaller player and Tyler Johnson's already fallen victim to that. So he, he does definitely need to put on some weight. So you wonder how much of that will be a focus uh, in training camp and leading up to those months in training camp. Yeah. Maybe it's not even a weight thing. Maybe it's just like, I don't know. This guy went to Fresno state. I mean, I don't know Fresno state. I've, I live in California. I've never been to Fresno. There's no reason for me to be there, but I don't know what their weight rooms are like. I don't know what their training thing is like. I know that he's been in in the NBA for two years, but he was with the D-League in North Dakota or South Dakota, wherever Sioux Falls is, one of the Dakotas. South Dakota. There we go. He was in South Dakota. I mean, I don't know what the D-League's training facility is like. You know what I mean? Like, maybe when, now that he's his free agency thing is done, it's all wrapped up, he's coming back to the Heat, and he's not in Summer League, Maybe he just gets in the weight room. Maybe not necessarily puts on weight, but strengthens those ligaments and, and gets tougher and stronger and, and obviously rehabs that shoulder that he just had surgery on and all that stuff and maybe just gets tougher. And that's that's what he needs. So then after all of that, um, hopefully he can stay healthy. And that just kind of, maybe he's not a guy that can stay healthy, which only said, you know, maybe he's not supposed to be playing 30 minutes a game. Well, you wonder how much more accelerated the whole timeline for his development have been. Because, you know, this was a guy that a year and a half ago was really just looking for a job. You and I saw it again with all the guys in D-League. You know, their, their first priority is just, look, notice me enough so that maybe you'll give me a job at any level. And so he was able to get that, that introduction to the NBA, and he made the most of it. But now that he's actually been given a, a long-term contract, however long he's able to with, you know, stay with Miami or any other team, now it's up to him to kind of take – all of his weaknesses and continue to find a way to build on them. You know, veterans, even guys like Dirk Nowitzki and Tim Duncan and even Wade, you know, have always looked at the offseason as an opportunity to perfect something that they didn't have before and to keep growing because the second that you get stagnant at the NBA level, your ch- chances are you're going to get passed over. So now it's up to Tyler Johnson that, you know, now that he has a job, it's secure. It's not about waving him or sending him back to D League or anything like that. You're an NBA player now, at least for the next four years. It's up to you to kind of find your weaknesses and build on them. And so you wonder how he's going to approach that development now that the timeline has been a little accelerated. Yeah, and I think if the Heat can find a way to solidify his role, and let's just say hypothetically they say, okay, you're our backup point guard. That's your job. That's what we're paying you the money for. I'm looking at his college stats now. His last season, which was his best season, he averaged 15.9 points, uh, 7.3 rebounds but only 2.9 assists. And we talked about it earlier. He's not really a facilitator. And it's not to say that he can't. And he almost, he looks like a point guard, right? And he can he runs pick and rolls well. Like, he, he's slithery enough to, 
do that, you know? Like, right. It has that kind of Drogic-like sense. But he doesn't really facilitate that well, or effectively, or enough. I don't really know which one it is yet, but... Maybe that's that skill, right? That say, okay, I'm going to get better as a facilitator. And I think that's why he went undrafted. Now, if we're starting to talk about his ceiling, how good can he be? You know, that's maybe why he didn't go drafted. Maybe why he didn't get drafted is because he plays like a shooting guard, but he's the size of a point guard and can't really play anything outside of point guard a lot because of his size. So maybe I mean, that tweener-ish he, mentality kind of, you know, bumped him out of the draft, which we've seen a, plenty of times of guys getting taken in the second round instead of the first round because of their tweener abilities stuff. But uh, even at point guard, though, he's probably too small for what would be considered a prototype. You know, if, you, if you're going to take right? yeah, if you're going to take a draft pick on a, on a point guard, you want a guy like Moutier, you know, yeah. or Emmanuel Moutier, who's six five and, and and thick enough to to kind of. You know, withstand the pressures, the the, the physical rigors of the NBA. Um, so what do you think his ceiling is then, Tyler Johnson? I honestly don't have any idea. I think, you know, I think he's best. He's shown in the past that he's best suited for that bench role, and I think you're probably right in that. That's probably where he's going to continue to be effective because I don't know if you want to put him out there for more than 25 minutes a game because then you're going to risk that injury. Like, I mean, just the style of play. Is always going to be a risk. He's always going to be at risk to injury. So you want to limit it and make him as effective as possible. So you know maybe have him be the backup two guard. If if Briante Weber is more of a facilitator and a better defensive presence, you know somebody that you, you know in contrast to Goran Dragic, who's not necessarily a good defensive player. You bring in Weber as a big point guard who can defend other backup point guards pretty effectively and can create opportunities for Tyler Johnson, who's shown the ability to be a catch-and-shoot player or put the ball on the floor and, and get to the rim. And, you know, against second-team defenses or, you know, weaker rim protectors, Johnson's going to have his opportunities, and he's going to have uh, – I think he's going to be able to make the most of it. And, you know, last year he got a lot of minutes backing up Wade because, you know, Wade went through whatever injury issues he had. He only did miss, you know, he, you know was it 10 games, 8 games? So he, he played most of the season, but I think jo- Johnson was able to go in there, and he played very well at the point guard position when Goran Dragic had some injury issues too. So I don't know. I, I, I can't. I can't really see it. You know, a week ago, before the whole Wade situation played out the way it did, you and I were both pretty convinced that Miami wasn't going to match the offer. Then Wade leaves, and you kind of force to do so because you want a guy that you're comfortable with, that knows the system, that you feel has potential and can develop. Even if he doesn't necessarily take a huge next step, even if he just duplicates what he was able to do last season, I think he'll still be a great value at this current contract. So I'm just not sure how much of a higher ceiling he has from what he's already shown us. And I don't think the Heat know either. And I think I don't think the Brooklyn Nets knew when they offered him a contract either. But it's worth the money in this in this kind of cap situation to find out, right? It's, it's well, a, you and it's I. Risk. Yeah, you and I keep talking about with waiters, with other players like we discussed yesterday. Part of it is also just a willingness to get better, you yeah. know, a desire to get better. And that more than anything else probably strengthens his position in the NBA is that, you know, as long as he wants to keep improving, he'll find a way. For him to make it from an undrafted free agent to a $50 million man, that shows a drive that a lot of guys who are much bigger, much more talented perhaps certainly lack. And so when you have that, he f- kind of fits the mold of what Miami is looking to do, you know, kind of get guys that are 
you know, gritty is an overused cliche term, but it kind of applies very well to to Tyler Johnson. Guys that are hungry. Look, even like the the positions that we talked about yesterday. You know, Derek Williams and and Joe John uh, Josh. Sorry, uh, John Johnson, Jason Johnson. Jesus Christ! What are you I can't talking remember. about Josh Richardson. No, no, uh, the, the guy we did sign from Toronto. Oh, James John- Johnson. <laughs> James Johnson. Between Josh Richardson and Joe Johnson and James Jones, I am all burnt out. I have no idea. <laughs> I know. It's fine. It's fine. JJ the second. How about that? Um, look, I think of all the contracts, right, is we can't really spend so much time talking about if Tyler Johnson's contract is worth it. Because nobody's worth their contract except for the max guys, and they're they should be getting paid more. I mean, this offseason is so flipped on its head; it's so weird. Nobody's really worth the money that they're making. You know, not to be mean about it, but just given how the market has been and what it is now, it just seems all out of whack. And Johnson is one of those, and one of those guys that might have an opportunity to live up to their contract. They might, he might not, but he may. And for the Heat. Where you don't have, you know, you've traded away two future first round picks for Goran Dragic. You you don't have a lot of second round picks. You just don't have that many avenues to find talent, and you're able to f- un uncover a guy who went undrafted, and m- you make him a role player, a useful, you know, role player. You can't let him get away for nothing, and so I think that is a lot of what this is: is you keep you you keep your asset. He's on a very valuable contract for his first two years, and then that third and fourth year get bigger, and that might just be a, okay, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we'll come to it. But until then, he's got a good value. He can live up to that value and should surpass it. And maybe, at the very least, he becomes something that you can trade or attach into a trade. And as we've seen every single year in the NBA, every contract is tradable. There has not been a, I mean, there's not been a contract that hasn't been able to get traded. So. Yeah. Um, overall, I think it was a calculated risk that the Heat made, and Johnson isn't going to make or break this season, but it'll certainly be another interesting piece, uh, given that Wade's gone, and the Heat have accumulated a lot of young guys to try to mm-hmm. fill that role, and that's what, he'll be part of that machine that helps to replace Dwayne Wade, and that's everything. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. he also fits a, a big role as far as, you know, a faster, much more up-tempo yeah. team. He certainly capable of playing that role he's got the speed and athleticism for it so you look at the other guys they've brought on and all of a sudden you don't want to you don't want to minimize what wade is capable of doing but the reality is ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks it's ace's biggest led light bulb sale of the year right now buy one get one free on our best-selling led light bulbs our four pack of led bulbs is 9.99 and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.